Jesus said in Matthew 28 verse 19, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Welcome to Go Teach All Nations, bringing you Christ's teachings through Australian and international speakers. And here is today's presenter, Fanae Power. I just wanted to share um, a brief thought with you this morning just before I begin. In the Bible, we're told in the book of Psalms, chapter 121, a very well-known psalm, it says, that I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. And the Bible says, Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite you by day, nor the the moon by night. And so this morning as I was contemplating what to speak about and as I was praying about it throughout the week, you know, I I know that sometimes when we come to church, we may feel very discouraged. Um, Our eyes may be on the ground when we come here. Our our chin may be up, but we know that deep down in our heart, we're like, Lord, I'm just so unworthy. And I always feel that way whenever I get up and preach um, because I recognize that I'm really unworthy to speak God's word. But God often takes our weaknesses and he makes it our strengths. And I find that sometimes um, I can be very self-conscious about what other people may think that little do I know that it's not my work. My work is just to be available, to be used. And so this morning, if you've come in here and you you may have your chin down and your eyes down and you may have gone through just a a rough week, uh, may you be encouraged to lift up your eyes unto Jesus this morning. Uh, May you know that um, just as in the Bible, you've heard of the, the, the verse in Luke 21, 28, where Jesus says, when you see all these things begin to come to pass, it says, look up, lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh. And I remember looking at the Greek word for look up, and it actually doesn't mean to lift up your eyes. The Greek word, it it comes from a a, a story in the Bible where a lady, she was a Sabbath keeper, and the Bible says for 18 years, she came to the synagogue and her back was bent over. You've heard the story before? Can you imagine being like this, walking to the synagogue every Sabbath? She was a Sabbath keeper, and she walked to church every Sabbath, And you can imagine that she came to church and Jesus was preaching that day. Jesus was preaching that day. And if she didn't come, she would not have been healed. But, you know, deep down in her heart, she said, man, I need to go to the synagogue this morning. So she was a Sabbath keeper. She came and the Bible says when Jesus saw her, she called the woman. He called the woman and the woman came and he touched her. And the Bible says she became straight. And that's the word which is used in Luke 21, 28, when God says to look up, it means to stand up. And then it says to lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh. And so this morning, if you're like that lady, you may have come late, you may be discouraged, you may be disappointed, but I want to let you know that Jesus is still in the business of making people straight. (laughs) He's still in the business of lifting up people's heads unto the hills. And so... As I go into our message this morning, let us pray together. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you, Father, for this opportunity we have to come boldly to the throne of grace. We ask, Father, that you may please be amongst us this morning, 
that you may abide with us, we pray. Fill us with your spirit, and I pray, Father, that you may use me, Lord. You know each and every one of us who have come in here this morning, we have come with struggles and problems, but we thank you that you are the solution to all our problems. Forgive us, Father, when we have fallen short of your glory, and we just ask that we may lift up our eyes unto you. We thank you, Father, that you have heard us, for we ask all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. There's a story of a missionary, and this missionary was sent to a foreign island, very remote. It was like a t- the 1040 window where people who were unreached, that's where he went. And when he went there, little did he know that the people that he was going to minister to as a missionary, that they were cannibals. And so eventually when he got there, unfortunately he became a martyr. He died in the cause of Christ. And the advertisement went up because once this missionary went down, the advertisement went up. Thank you, my brother, Viti. Uh, the advertisement went out in need of missionaries. Anyone to volunteer? Can, can you imagine who put their hand up? <laughs> and so the advertisement went out and a, a man put up his hand and he said, I will go. And so as he was on the ship heading to this island, there was a servant on the ship who came to this missionary and he said, don't you know where you are going? You're going to this island where there are cannibals. They're going to kill you. You're going to die. And the missionary turned to the servant and he said, I'm already dead. I'm already dead. What what he was saying was that self had died. This missionary, he was ready for either. He was ready either. There's a common anecdote by a missionary which says these words. He says that he is no fool that gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. It was, it was written by a missionary who was 28 years old. He, was, he went to a, a, a place where um, the people were unreached and he wrote that just before he died. That he is no fool that gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And it's based off the, the, the verse in Mark chapter 8, verse 34 and 35, which says that, you know, Jesus, he says that he who, who tries to save his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake shall save it. And so this morning, our title of our sermon this morning is Ready for Either. Ready for Either. And it was, it was based off this... Um, I, when I go out to do the honor king, everything in me is like, Lord, I don't want to go. <laughs> and like I'm in the car and I'm just struggling and I'm praying to the Lord. And I, I usually do a devotion before I, I get out. And I was reading in this book called The Ministry of Healing, beautiful book, where, um, where it says that um, there is a picture. There is a picture of a bullock or ox between a plow and between an altar. And it says that this inscription over the top, this altar is burning with incense, smoke is ascending up into heaven, and then you have this plow for this field, uh, which is unplowed, and then you have this bullock in the middle. Very interesting imagery. But then over the top of the, of the image, it says, ready for either. What does that mean? It has very much relevance for each and every one of us. The, it, the, the relevance is that the, the altar represents a sacrificial death. The plow represents a lifetime of service. And the bullock 
just like each and every one of us, that we ought to be ready to either lay down our lives for Jesus or ready to do a lifetime of service for the Lord. Amen. That we ought to be prepared to give our lives for the cause of Christ. And when you say that to people, oftentimes they're like, man, that's fanatical. <laughs> uh, but the truth of the matter is that when you recognize what Jesus has done for you, how can you withhold yourself from him? Amen. How can you withhold yourself from him? And so that's the imagery which I wanted to begin with. That's where we got our title. You're probably wondering, where in the world did this guy get his title from? I'm not much of a title person, but I got it from that. And I was like, Lord, thank you. Because it actually links with our children's story, which I'm amazed about. Because it's like where, where, where uh, Derek, he was talking about disciples. I want to focus on uh, two disciples this morning with you as we open the Bible to the book of the Gospels. So turn with me to the book of John, or rather the book of Matthew. <laughs> The book of Matthew, um, and Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4. Our title is Ready for Either. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus had already endured the 40 days of temptation in the wilderness, and he finds himself here in Matthew chapter 4, and we'll be reading from verse 18. Matthew chapter 4, and reading from verse 18. And when you get there, you can say Amen. amen. Okay, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. The Bible says, And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea. Yes, Zechariah. For they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Follow me. And I will make you what? Fishes of men. And so in verse 20, what did they do? They straight away, they left their nets and they followed Jesus. These men, they were ready for either. Verse 21 and verse 22, this is what I want to focus on. And the two disciples which I want to focus on, which is James and John. And when Jesus went on from here in verse 21, he said he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother in a ship with Zebedee their father, and they were mending their nets. And often they would mend their nets after they had um, time out at sea, and they were mending their nets in the ship with their father Zebedee, and the Bible says that Jesus called them, and what did they do? Immediately they left the ship and their father and followed him. Now, I just want you to put yourself in their shoes. They have a successful business. They work with their father. It's like a family business. And then Jesus comes along and he calls them, follow me. And the Bible says that they immediately left their nets. They left their ship and even left their father. But what I want to focus on is how when Jesus called them, they were ready for either. They were willing to give up their business so that they could follow Jesus. They're willing to give up their dreams and their pursuits so that they could follow Jesus. And when I was reading this, I had to reflect on my life. And when God called me to the ministry, it was just it was so interesting. I don't know if I've told you before, I'll tell you. But um, after, after high school, I, uh, I went and studied at college. Um, and after college, I, I got like a, a diploma. And I was sitting in my uncle's house. 
Um, and my parents are here, and my family, which is a blessing, uh, they can testify of this as well, is I was in my uncle's place, and I was sitting down, like, literally not knowing where to go in life. I was like, Lord, what, like, I, I, I don't even think I was spiritual at that moment. All I know was I was idle in the Lord's vineyard. And I was in my uncle's house, and my uncle had just finished doing his uh, theology degree at college. And I was in my uncle's place, and I was just sitting there, and my uncle brought an enrollment from the Avondale. And he put it out on the, the table, and he said, sign, and I signed. And I realized, oh, I'm going to, to, to college. <laughs> so that was literally like my calling to ministry. And so, um, yeah, and, and, and at that moment, um, the thing is, I didn't grow up in the Adventist school system. I went to the school of hard knocks in the public schools. <laughs> So I went to those schools, and um, when, I, when I received this, I was like, man, I'm going off to college. But the thing is, I didn't know anyone up at college. No uh, like, uh, background with any Adventist friends from like SAC or from all those other prestigious Adventist schools. So this was the first time I was going to Avondale College of Higher Education. And so um, I was like, I was excited, but the thing is, I did not know how the Lord would provide. You know, when I read this, I, I was imagining myself like, what stops people from like, entering into the ministry? And one of the things I found, which was probably the most, um, the most fundamental, was that when people get called by the Lord and they know that God is calling them to ministry, what often stops them is, how will I be able to provide for my family? How, how will I make ends meet? And I was thinking that as well. I was like, man, ministry, you don't, you know, you don't earn much. Um, that was what I was thinking. <laughs> And I was like, Lord, you're going to have to open the door. Um, and so um, that week when I signed that uh, interesting enrollment form, um, what happened was t in two weeks, uh, class for college would begin. And so I didn't know anyone up at college, and I was for sure and certain that I wasn't going to stay on campus, on dormitory. I just didn't want to stay on campus. So I was like, okay, Lord, you called me. And all your biddings are your enablings. So in two weeks, I had to find a house to stay. And um, my, um, my auntie, she was being baptized the next Sabbath. So I go to my auntie's, um, my auntie's baptism. And um, during that time, I, I, um, I didn't have my license. Um, and so oftentimes, I would travel places. Um, and I would travel there on my L's. And I'll save the finds and the stories for another time. Um, my, my parents will tell you. Um, but, um, but the thing is, you know, when, when God gets a hold of you, you're like, man, I need to go to care group. I need to go to Bible study. I need to go to prayer group. And so um, one of, one of the, if you didn't know, um, Pastor Joshua, he was one of my Bible study teachers. And after my first Bible study teacher left, he went overseas to the Google Islands. Joshua, he actually had a Bible study group, and he, he had this specific time, and it was often at the night. And so I was like, thank you. I can travel there on my L's, unsupervised. But I was like, I'm going for a good cause. I'm going for a good cause. <laughs> but when I got there, I, I, I prayed. I said, thank you, Lord. I made it to the Bible study. Got in the Bible study, was just overwhelmed and, and thankful that I heard the word. And then I got back in the car, and I prayed again. Lord, please help me get back home. And so... Um, I'll save the fine stories for another time. I'll save it for another time. But um, what happened was that, um, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, my, my auntie's baptism was the next week. And on that same Sabbath, um, 
that same week, I received a message through Facebook from a friend who studied theology now and already graduated. He was a, he was a, a, a youth leader for a church, and uh, he messaged me and he said, Finna, can you come and preach at our church uh, for, for AY, for Adventist Youth, for the, for the afternoon program? And in my head, I was saying, first I got the enrollment form, which was just a surprise, and then now I got this invitation to go and speak at a church. And I was like, man, I'm not a speaker. <laughs> I'm like, I'm very like in the background, you know, I don't like to speak. Um, so um, afterwards, I asked him like later in a message after the, the, the preaching, I asked him, why did you invite me to come and speak at your church? You know, I can't speak. <laughs> and he said, oh, I just saw you always putting up Bible verses on your Facebook. So I assumed that you're a preacher. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I went to, the, I, I went to, uh, to preach at um, the Granville Church. It was a Fijian church. Um, and remember, I'm, I'm like, Lord, I don't know anyone up at college. I don't know where I'm going to stay. I have two weeks to get there um, and, and take all my stuff, but I don't know where I'm going to stay. And so I went and preached at this church on the AY. And after I finish, you know, when you finish a sermon, you're like, man, I did a horrible job. And so um, I go out and I'm just shaking people's hand. And then I see this guy, this Fijian guy coming towards me and he's smiling on his face. And I knew his name. You know, when you know someone's name, but you don't know them. So I, 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 he's coming to me and says, like, oh, I know your name. I know your name. His name was Zacchaeus. Um, and he came to me and he said, Finna, man, how are you going? What are you doing this year? First question. So oh, I'm going up to college. And he's like, oh, that's interesting. Do you have a place to stay? And I said, no, I don't. And he said, that's interesting because I have a room that uh, he's, like, people have been coming to the, the house. It's like a, uh, it's, it's like a boarding house where our landlord, she was a Russian lady, beautiful lady. She looked after us. And there was one room that was empty. And he said everyone who came, he would literally tell them, no smoking, no drinking, no partying. And they didn't want to Want to take the room. And so when he saw me, he's like, man, this guy, he, you know, he would be good for the room. So when he came to me, he said, what are you doing for this year? And I said, I'm going up to college. And he said, I have a free room. And I was like, Lord, answer prayer. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and, and, and the thing is this is interesting is, is Zacchaeus. He's named after his grandfather, whose name is Zacchaeus. And Finne is named after his grandfather, whose name is Finne. And, uh, and, and the thing is this, um, my parents will tell you as well, is that um, my grandfather, when he came from Tonga, he studied in Fiji. And his best friend, his name was Zacchaeus. And they worked together, they studied together, and then they came over to Australia. And my grandfather, he began the, the first Tongan church, and his father... Um, grandfather Zacchaeus, he began the Fijian church. So all the Fijian churches and the Tongan churches it sprang from them two working together here in Australia. And then all of a sudden I come to Granville and he comes walking up to me. And now we're, we're both in the same house, staying together and studying at the same college. <laughs> and I was like, Lord, wow. I, didn't, I, I couldn't explain. I couldn't explain. Even to today, like... I'm like, I'm with this guy, and my grandfather and his grandfather, they worked together, and they studied together, and they planted churches together. And I was like, wow, Lord, open door. And, um, and so that's when I started, I, I, I received the call, and I said, Lord, okay, if this is your will, if this is where you want me to be, just open the door. And I find that many times people, they don't walk through the door because they're just uncertain, Lord, will you provide? And I can tell you and I can testify that Jesus is faithful. Amen. That throughout college, 
I didn't drive. I didn't have my L's because I lost it. So I, for four years, like literally for four years, oh, thank you, brother. Uh, for four years, uh, for four years, I, um, I, 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 I walked to college. It was like a 45-minute walk. And I was just, whenever I walked, I would always pray, Lord, please send someone to pick me up. <laughs> And often people would pick me up on the way, and sometimes I just put myself, you know, walk on the road so people could actually, you know, see me and, and, and pick me up. Uh, sometimes that didn't happen, but it was a 45-minute walk. That's how I kept healthy as well. Um, and Brother Josh, Pastor Josh, oftentimes he would come and pick me up. But then when he left, you know, I had to go back to walking again. And so, um, yeah, it was just, it was a blessing because God, he, he, he took me to school. He, he brought me back. Um, I can remember a time. And I'm just, t- I'm just telling you about how God provides. Because oftentimes, people don't want to answer the call because they're like, Lord, will you provide for me? And so I remember once I did um, door knocking. Brother David, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> I did door knocking during winter, on winter break, for five, six weeks. Did door knocking. And I came back and I was just so ecstatic and so happy. Like, you know, it just puts you on cloud nine. Just so happy. And then I come back home and I come to my, my laptop and I go on my email and there's a, there's a notification from Vodafone. And I look at the, the, the notification from Vodafone and it said, you have a fine. And I was like, man, that's my name, but I don't want a fine. <laughs> but uh, so I got a fine, right? And I looked at the fine and it was $1,110. And in my head, I was like, I'm not even with Vodafone. This is a scam. This is a scam. <laughs> this is a big scam. So I, I, I went and inquired, and I started to reflect back, and I was like, man, how in the world did I get this fine from Vodafone? And then I remembered very clearly, and it was just like, like Sunday in my mind. I remember going with my father to the Vodafone shop and having him under a plan on his phone under my name. And I was like, oh, that's where it's from. Don't feel that uh, bad, Dad. It's okay. <laughs> um, we, we, had a, we had a fine, right? And I looked at it, I was like, oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't want to put my, my parents under much pressure. So I was like, okay, Lord, show yourself. <laughs> show yourself. And he, 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 just, he just reminded me, Finna, you just done five, six weeks of canvassing. So I went, I went to my, I had this like big bag, just all filled with coins and notes. And I got my bag, I put it on my table. And as I was counting, my Bible was open, right? It was open. I was counting 100. Remember, 1,110. And I'm counting 100. And I'm counting 200. And 300. And 400. And 500. And 600. All the way to 800. Then I got to 850, and that's when I started to count the gold and the silver, yeah? Silver and the gold. Remember, my Bible's open, and my Bible's open, and it's open on Haggai 2 verse 8. Do you know what that says? The silver and the gold is mine, saith the Lord. And so I'm counting the gold and the silver, and I'm saying, the gold is yours, Lord. The silver is yours, Lord. And I get up to $898. Vodafone calls me back, and they say to me, Welcome. Uh, they say to me, uh, if, if you pay by today, we'll bring it down to 950 I said, thank you, Lord, yes. So I got $898 from canvassing profit, and I have 950 and I was like, Lord, you're short $52. <laughs> like, that's the thing I really love about the Lord. You can be open with him. And I said, Lord, I, I'm going to test you. I'm going to prove you. I know you are faithful. Come through. And so what happened was, remember, I don't have my license. 
So um, for those who are from Avondale, you know that you have to travel. You have to travel to Toronto. The, the nearest bank for hours with ANZ was in Toronto. That's at least one hour, 20 minutes away, usually. So remember, I don't have a license. I don't have a car. And, um, and so uh, I was like, Lord, come through. And I remember listening to a story about a lady who was, she believed deep in her heart. She said, I want to be a missionary for Christ. And she knew that she was going to go overseas. And so she went to the airport without an airfare. And I was listening to this in the morning. <laughs> and I was like, okay, Lord, if she did that and you're, you're faithful to her, you can be faithful to me as well. So I picked up my, my, my money. I put on my shoes and I started walking to, uh, to Toronto. <laughs> yeah, I started walking to Toronto. And so I, as I was walking, um, if you know uh, the bridge where uh, Avondale is, that little bridge there, when I got to that bridge, it started to rain. And I was in a, like, in a straight. I was like, okay, should I continue forward and hope that someone will pick me up? Or I should just turn back and just give up this stuff? Remember, I have $58 left. And so I, I decided I'm going to keep walking. And I get up to Avondale's shops, and as I get up to Avondale's shop, I'm telling you the blatant truth. I'm, I'm walking and I'm praying, and as I was walking, I looked to my, my left, and like literally in sync with me as I'm walking is one of the theology students. And as I did right step, he was doing right step and left step, and he actually literally met me. It's like a little curve, and he comes and he meets me right there, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like... And he asked me, Finney, where are you going? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm going to Toronto. And he was like, you know how far that is? And I said, yeah, I do. And he said, how are you getting there? He said, oh, I'm walking. <laughs> and, so, uh, and so he tells me, he said, I'll, I'll, I'll take you. So he calls up his wife. He said, honey, this boy needs to get to Toronto. Bring all the kids. And so he brings all the kids. They get into this big Land Cruiser Islander car. And they take me all the way to ANZ. And uh, once I got there, I got to ANZ, I gave them my, my big chunk of money, and they were, they were add, adding it all together, and as they were adding it all together, remember I had $898, and the lady said, sir, we counted your money, you don't have $898, you have $898.10, and I said, <laughs> and I said, Lord, you're short $51.90, and so I, I, I go back home, and I'm like, Lord, I know you're going to come through. I know you're going to come through. And so I go back home, and then I look on my ANZ bank account, and when I look at my ANZ bank account, I see more than $1,000 there. Amen. And I was like, you know when you can actually look at the history? So I went and looked at the history, and when I looked at the history, guess where the money came in from? Centrelink. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Centrelink. Social Security. And so I was like, thank you, Lord, you came through. <laughs> and so like literally I was able to pay my fine off and I was like, fine free, fine free. But I share that story with you for this one, one, one fact or one purpose is that when God calls you, he always provides. And you may be in that situation this morning where you're like, man, I'm uncertain where God wants me to be. But it's just, I, I liken it to a, like an a automatic door. Have you seen an automatic door? Like these are not automatic doors. When you go to this door, you have to push it, right? But the thing is, when you come to automatic door, when you walk towards the door, when you get in a certain proximity, it opens, right? And I, 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 like, I like that because um, oftentimes like we, we see the door and God is opening the door and sometimes it just remains shut and it's just waiting for you to walk towards it. Yeah. 
And as you walk towards it, I tell you, God will open it. And if he doesn't open it, praise him. Thank him. Because he's good. <laughs> and so with, 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 with James and John, when God, Jesus, when he called them, they immediately, they just, they gave it. They left. And the thing is, they left their business. And I, I, when I read this, oftentimes I think we, we often forget the father's influence there as well. So I touched on James and John, but you notice that when Jesus came to them, Jesus didn't say to Zebedee, follow me. He said to James and John, right? But then you, when you look at the story, I, I, I just, I'm so amazed because Zebedee, he was just willing to let his children go. And oftentimes uh, parents and those who are newly wed or eventually be married, you go through transitions in your life, you know? The transition is, you know, you eventually get an education, once you get educated, you get your degree, you know, everyone's asking you when you're going to get married, when you're going to get married. You, you've ever been in that situation? Okay, if you haven't, then, you know, I don't know. <laughs> but um, you, then you get married, right? And then uh, when you get married, the next question people, so when are you going to have children? When are you going to, all these, you know, these different transitions in life, right? And then you have children, and then you're like, what Derek was experiencing up the front here, you know? <laughs> no, I, I believe that, you know, parents, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to have you, you know, train your children and to just to be patient and long-suffering with them. Man, I'm, I often just, you know, if I had a hat, take off my hat to them because, like, I'm sure it does, you know, at times it puts you on the edge and you're like, man, I just want to smack this child in front of everyone. That happens in Islander churches, not here, but in Islander churches, you know, you know they don't care, <laughs> you know, smack him. Uh, <laughs> But um, yeah, um, <laughs> why did I bring that? Oh my. Uh, but yeah, you go through these transitions in life, right? And then eventually you, you come to the point where your, your child eventually goes to, to college or university and they have to leave home. And I've, I, I've, I've spoken to a lot of parents who like, they just, they feel just so alone and they feel abandoned because they want to do, um, they want to be with their children, but their children have their own lives. And so if you're one of those children, I just want to encourage you, you know, at least message your mom, message your father, call them up, tell them, you know, you love them, um, send them an emoji. I don't know. You do what you have to do. But, you know, oftentimes if, 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 if you ever get the, 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 uh, the opportunity to go and visit people, especially elderly people, they're just very lonely. And the thing is, they have a lot of children, but they're lonely. And it's, it's not because, you know, the children don't want to do anything with them. They have their lives. But, um, you know, you just go through these transitions in life. And I was thinking about Zebedee in this story and how Zebedee, he was, um, he was willing to allow his children to go off and follow Jesus. And I remember when I was up at college, um, I would receive a lot of messages and calls from my parents. And oftentimes, I have to tell you the truth, I felt like I was, it was just getting annoying. Like, it's like, oh, stop calling me. Uh, that's, what, like, that's what I was thinking. But then after, as I was going through like, life, I recognized, man, it's just that, that, that love which a parent has for their children, they just, they just can't let you go. Um, but one thing I learned about this story is that Zebedee, when Jesus called his children, he was willing to allow his children to go. You don't see him questioning. I don't see him questioning in this verse. But he was just willing to let him go. And I, I love that because the thing is, um, oftentimes you may worry about your children. But if they're in the ministry, you have nothing to worry about. Amen. You just keep them in your prayers. Keep praying for them. Keep longing for them. That they may come to know and to live for him. And so when I received that call, 
I was ready for either. <laughs> Thank you. Man, I think you just, might as well just, you know, get a lot of tissues and put up here. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just sweating, yes. My mom always tells me, Finish, you take up, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, towel? Towel? Yeah. She take up a towel, Finish, and I always disobey her. And <laughs> but now you see, you know. <laughs> oh my, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was ready for either. I was ready for either. And so, um, man, how much time do I have? <laughs> I don't know how long I've been speaking for. Okay. Well, we... <laughs> Thank you. I'm encouraged. Okay. So turn with me now to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. And so staying on this subject of, of, uh, of James and John, you find that when God called them, they, were, they immediately left their ship, they left their nets, and they even left their father. But I find that when we sacrifice for God, that it is worth it. When we sacrifice for God, it is worth it. In Matthew chapter 20, notice, in Matthew chapter 20, we touched on the father of James and John, but I want you to notice the, the mother of James and John. In Matthew chapter 20, and reading from verse 20, Matthew chapter 20 and reading from verse 20. And the Bible says, Then came to him, that is to Jesus, the mother of Zebedee's children. Now they say that the mother of Zebedee's children was Salome. She would minister of her needs, uh, of her necessity to, the, the, to Jesus and his disciples. And in verse 20, it said that when she came to him, that she came worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. Now, this story, I have to say before we go through it, is also found in Mark chapter 10. But in Mark chapter 10, James and John is requesting. But in this one, Matthew, he specifies that the mother is requesting. And I want you to notice what she asks of Jesus. In verse 21, it says, And he said unto her, What wilt thou? What would you have me to do? And she says unto him, Grant that these two, my two sons, that they may sit one on my right hand, on your right hand, and on the other on the left, in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You know not what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of, and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They say unto him, We are able. Now, do you think that that was a selfless request? Or a selfish request? Selfish. So the mother, she comes, she asks Jesus, I want my two sons to be on your right hand and on your left hand. And Jesus, I like what he says. He says, you know not what you ask. Have you ever prayed to God for something? And in your mind, it's like, this is good. This is the right path. But then Jesus says to you, you know not what you ask. Have you ever been in that situation before? There's a quotation which says, in the future life, that the mysteries that here have annoyed and disappointed us will be made plain. We shall see that our seemingly unanswered prayers and our disappointed hopes have been amongst our greatest blessings. What that means is, oftentimes when we pray to God, we often pray and our requests are very selfless, uh, selfish. Sorry. It's very selfish. It's like, Lord, make this girl like me. 
you know? Oh, make this boy like me, you know? Have you ever prayed that prayer? Yeah, I see the laugh, everyone there. You pray that prayer. <laughs> but, you know, and, 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 and <laughs> yeah, you, you know what I mean, right? And, and the thing is, and then, you, like, then God gives you the answer, and it's not the answer that you wanted. It's like, Lord, I prayed for this, but then my answer, you didn't answer. You said, no, 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 a, a no is an answer. And because God is so all-knowing and so powerful, he can see the end from the beginning. If he didn't allow the relationship to go through, then you should praise him. You should thank him. That when you signed up to go to college and you, uh, you didn't get into the degree that you wanted, and instead you got into medicine, praise him. Because God, he sees the end from the beginning. And oftentimes our requests, just like Jesus said to them, you know not what you ask. And so when Jesus gave the response to them, he said to them, shall you drink of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they say, we are able. You know, often when we talk about baptism, you never hear this verse being preached. Never. Because you know why? Because the baptism being referred to here is actually a baptism of suffering. And the last thing people want when they come into the church is, I'm ready suffering, get baptized, more suffering. Oh, wow, yes, it's attractive. No. But the thing is, Jesus, the cup here is indicative of suffering, punishment, um, which Jesus, you remember, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And that ought to be our prayer when Jesus doesn't answer our prayers the way that we want. Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. And so the baptism, that's the cup, the cup of suffering and punishment, but you find the baptism is referring to a baptism of suffering. That when Jesus calls us to follow him, to be his disciples, it does not make us immune to suffering and pain. And I was thinking about this this morning as I was just contemplating what to speak about. And I was thinking and saying to myself that um, I just want you to imagine... Because oftentimes people ask this question, and the question is, why do bad things happen to good people? Have you ever had that question asked to you? Oftentimes when they ask that question, it's not why does bad things happen to good people, it's why does bad things happen to me? That's the question. (laughs) That's the root source of the question usually. It's like, why does bad things happen to me? I'm a good person. I return my tithe. I go to church on Sabbath. But it seems like I'm going through all this suffering. Why me, Lord? And I, I, this morning as I was thinking about this, I want you to, uh, to, to think along with me. I was thinking and I was saying, okay, what if I didn't go through any suffering at all? I want you to picture a scenario, right? This, this young girl, ladies, this young girl. Thank you, yes. Here's the towel, here's the towel. <laughs> so I, I, ladies, I want you to imagine a, a young girl comes to you and they, they're just confiding in you and they're like, um, you know, my boyfriend broke up with me, and you know, the, it's, the, the, the tension is bad between the families, and you know, they, they come to you and you're a lady, right? And I want you to imagine that you never went through a breakup in your life. And you're sitting there and they're sobbing, and you're like, you understand what I'm, I, I was trying to think about it, I was like, man, what if we didn't go through any suffering at all? Not even God would empathize with us. 
Do you understand? Because God suffers as well. Do you, do you follow? So I was like, man, not even God would empathize with you because God actually, the Bible says in Isaiah 61 verse 9, that in all their affliction, he was afflicted. God goes through pain as well. Hebrews 2.18, it says, For in that he himself suffered being tempted, he is able also to succor or help them who are tempted. The Bible is kind of replete with verses that tell us that our God, he is sensitive to the sufferings that we go through in life. And if it was turned around and you didn't go through suffering at all, you couldn't be able to empathize with someone or understand them. And so praise the Lord that you actually go through suffering because it leads you closer and closer to God. There's a song which says that the trials of this life are God's mercies in disguise. And I would, that song would constantly be on repeat when we went out to do door knocking. Because I was like, I saw this guy, I was like, people just slammed their door in your face. And uh, man, yeah, man, I had that this week. And, I, you know, he was so, it was so like rough. It's so rough, man. And once he closed the door, I was like, thank you, Lord. And I went up to the next door. I, you get to the point in your life where you're like, you have this like tough skin. You know, you have extra epidermis. You, you understand? Nursing. <laughs> Oh, cool, 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 cool. Uh, but the thing is this, I, I, I'll share with you a story and then I'll, yeah. But let me, let me tell you this. You know, when Jesus said to them, um, that, are you able to be baptized in the baptism which, that, um, that, I, um, that I am able to baptize you with? Did you know that James and John actually experienced that baptism of suffering? James, in Acts 12 verse 2, he was the first martyr amongst the apostles. So he actually experienced he was ready for either. John, however, he was banished to an island where he was abandoned. He felt abandoned. Uh, he was in a place where he didn't expect to be. He got thrown into a, 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 a pot of boiling oil, but he was miraculously saved. But then he was banished to this island. And while he was on the island, this is what I love, is that though he felt like he was alone and he was all by himself, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Amen. That on the Sabbath day that Jesus came to him while he was banished on this island, and Jesus said, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. That oftentimes when we're in our rooms and when we're crying out to God, we're crying out for our children who don't come to church, when we cry out for our friends and our neighbors who we, we have a burden to reach, Oftentimes, Jesus will come to us even on the Sabbath day and say, My child, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I have a plan for your life. And so, James and John, John eventually, he died of old age. He was the only one of all the disciples who didn't experience a martyr's death. But the thing is, they were ready for either. They were ready for either. And so, I just want to, I guess, share this story with you. And then I'll have a little testimony and then I'll finish and come to an end because I see my time is going. But um, I remember when I was doing door knocking, <laughs> this was in Tamworth. Tamworth was, the, 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 the weather there was 47 degrees. So we were door knocking 47 degrees and like it really tests your character. And you can imagine me there, like I got a drenched shirt and I come to the door and they see me, would you like to come in? I said, yes, I'll come in. And so I come inside and I, I'm able to minister to people. But the, one particular story in Tamworth really, um, I guess, helps you to, to understand, I guess, you know, 
whether we're willing or ready to do either. I, I came to this, this house, and just a background story, one of the Ellie's, they, they gave away all their books. They were retiring. And so they, the pastor gave me, they gave all the books to the Ellie's, and I, I picked one sp- specific one. It was called Peace Above the Storm. Beautiful big about, uh, book about steps to Christ. And on the front cover is a beautiful lighthouse, and underneath it says, Freedom from Worry, Guilt, and Fear. Don't we need that today? Freedom from worry, guilt, and fear. That's like the three common things we always worrying, always fearful, always guilty. Um, but the thing is, I got this book, right? And it was kind of very dodgy, very, it was decrepit. It was kind of broken. I put it in my, my bag and throughout the whole time in Tamworth, I was praying, Lord, who should I give this to? Who should I give this to? And I come to this door where this guy, he's sitting outside his house and he's half naked and he has in his hand a beer and a smoke. And when you see that in your mind, it's like, go to the next door. <laughs> but me, I'm like, no, nah, I'm ready for either. <laughs> so I literally, I, I walk up to him and he, he screams at me. He says, go to the next door. He's like screaming at me. And I kept walking towards him. And he's go to the next door. And I kept walking towards him. And I get up to him and he's like, I'm just like, he's, he's right there. Like where Angel is, right? And I'm right here. Didn't I tell you, go to the next door? And I said, I know you did, sir, but you know what? I'm in the community doing special health work. Yeah, I, I want to show you some books. I don't want to do anything. Go to the next door. And in my mind, I was like, I have that book. It's broken, you know? It's a beautiful book. So I said, sir, I have a gift for you. I pull out the book, and I give it to him, and he looks at it. Remember, he's beer in one hand, smoke in the other. And he looks at the book, and he looks up at me, and he said, God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> Uh, can you imagine if you're not persistent? Man, I would have went to the next door, but I said, no, I'm ready for either. So I come up to him, and as I come up to him, and when he said that to me, he said, you know, what's your name? I said, my name's Finne, what's your name? Um, and we, we exchanged names, and I just, I said, man, look, I'm going to go to the next door. You know, you take the book, it's a beautiful, I often say it's chicken soup for the soul. <laughs> it's chicken soup for the soul. And so he took the book, and I decided to go to the next door. It was like a, a cul-de-sac went around, came across the other side, and I'm walking across the other side, right? I'm walking across the other side, and I hear my name being called out. Finna, Finna. I was like, oh, no, that's not him. So I, I, I turn to the left, and this big dog comes out of this yard, and they quickly say no, and my name is still being called. It's Finna, Finna. And so I turn around, and he was like, come, come, come. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I come over his house, and he, he's walking me into his home, and he says, I am so sorry. And I was like, man, how did this guy change? <laughs> he was like, get to the next door. And now he's like, yeah, come in my house. So um, yeah, I was, as I was coming into his house, he was like, uh, you want coffee? You want Coca-Cola? Or you want beer? And I was like, man, I can't drink any of them. I'll drink water. So he took me inside and he asked the same question. He was like really tempting me. I was like, no, 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 I'll take water. And so as I was sitting down, he had the book in his hand. He said, man, God works in mysterious ways. I said, why is that? He said, the person that I'm staying with, uh, his son committed suicide that same week. And he said, this book will be a blessing to him. And I got to share about the Sabbath with him. His, his brother was a priest, gave him the book, was able to pray with him. My, uh, my crew were trying to find me. They were calling me in. My walkie-talkie wasn't working. Um, but God wanted me to be with this man. Amen. And these are the type of people that you meet when you come out there. And sometimes when, you know, when they say get away, get lost, it's just the invitation to keep on begging them. 
<laughs> yeah. So, um, so I just, you know, just be persistent, you know, be ready for either. You know, what's the, what's the worst thing that can happen? They just keep saying no. They get annoyed, but hey, that's okay. We leave a good impression. <laughs> but the thing is, uh, my question to each and every one of us here this morning is, you know, are you ready for either? Are you ready to put your life on the line, on the altar of sacrifice? Or are you able to plow the field, just like John? John did it for Throughout his life, he died of natural causes, but he was ready for either. James, first apostle to be martyred, but he was ready for either. And so as I come to an end, this is the last testimony that I want to share with you. Um, and this story is about a man by the name of Judson um, Van Deventer. And this young man, he was 17 years of age, and um, he gave his life to Christ. And when he gave his life to Christ... He was still holding on to things in his life. He was struggling between choosing an art career, which he was talented in, or to choose to enter into the ministry. And so as he was just wrestling with the Lord, as he graduated, he actually was fluent in 13 musical instruments. Uh, he, um, he composed music, and he wrote music and sang music as well. And um, this young man, Judson, uh, he was just really struggling with the call of God upon his life. He didn't know how the Lord would provide for him, but he knew that God was calling him to enter into the ministry. And so after he graduated, he became a supervisor, and he was working underneath a good German teacher, earning a lot of money, but still unsatisfied because his heart was not surrendered to the Lord. And it got to a point where his church was holding a revival in their church. And he came to the church and he felt, man, God is calling me to the ministry. Why am I not surrendering? And after five years, this is a true testament, after five years of just wrestling with the Lord, he said, you know what? I'm just going to lay my talents, lay my time and my life on the altar that the Lord may use me. And it was out of this experience that Judson Van Deventer had that he wrote the hymn, I Surrender All. And perhaps this morning, you may be that individual that God has been calling and you may be uncertain and you may be just in the, you may be in a quandary. You don't know where to go, but you know that God is calling you to minister for him. And if that is you, I would like to invite you to stand to your feet and you want to say, Lord... I want to go where you want me to go. I want to surrender my life to you, that you may use me in your service. I have never met an individual who has been disappointed when they gave their life to Christ. Never. Never met someone who's been disappointed. But if that is you, particular appeal, I would like to invite you to stand to your feet and say, Lord, I want to commit my life to you. I want to surrender all to you. Is there anyone? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. You will never be disappointed when Jesus is your guide. Amen. I've shared testimonies, and I'm sure many can share as well, <clears throat> that Jesus, he says in his word, in Hebrews 13, 5, that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Trust him, and he will take you to places where you never thought you could go. 
Father God in heaven, we come to you, Father, asking, Lord, that you may take away the things in our lives which we may not be surrendering to you, Father. This morning we come to the altar and we just ask, Father, that you may use us, Lord, in your service. That we may be willing, Father, to be ready to either give our lives to you in service or to give our lives completely to you on the altar of sacrifice. Help us, Lord, to be ready for either and we surrender all to you this day. And we thank you, Father, that you have heard us. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was made available by the Ride Seventh-day Adventist Church. For more resources like this, visit their YouTube page, 3AM Ride Seventh-day Adventist Church. family will now sing God will come through looking in the mirror at my life and my plans wondering how I'm gonna make it wondering how I'm gonna stand then I look at your goodness on my life and where I've been I've never been forsaken Lord you've never failed me yet so when I feel like giving in, Lord, remind me again. When the mountain was in front of me, you made the mountain move. When the road ahead seemed too dark, you guided me through. When the waters were in front of me, you parted them too. There's never been a day in my life God didn't come through Standing where you are right now I know it seems there's no way out But I've been there, my friend this is not the end So when it feels like hope is gone And you feel you can't go on Just remember When there's a mountain in front of you He'll make the mountain move When the road ahead seems too dark He'll guide you through day in your life when God won't come through.
When there's a mountain in front of you, I'll make the mountain move. When the road ahead seems too dark, He'll guide you through. There's never been a day in your life Oh, there'll never be a day in my life When God won't come through God will come Folks, today I'd like to share with you one of my poems entitled Keep Speaking to Me. My name is William Ackland. Today is just the kind of day, O Lord, I would have ordered if I could. The temperature's just right, the sky is blue, there's a few white clouds for contrast, but the best thing of all, you spoke to me, and I have responded in kind. So keep speaking, Lord, keep talking to me. I'll keep what you say in my mind. I'll keep all that you say to me, dear Lord, for the things you tell me are good. The more you say, the happier I'll be, for what you tell me will last. It is not the same as a man would say, for your words are truly divine. I'll keep listening, Lord, as you talk to me. Another good page in my mind. Another page in the story of life and of the way my life should go, on the way from here to the world beyond, the world that is tinted with gold. The best thing of all each day, O Lord, I hear when you tell me my goals, a goal to aim for, a destiny for me, a home with the saints of all time, along this road that I'm walking now as I read these pages again. Yes, I'll listen, dear Lord, as you speak to me. I'll recall it all if I can. For I know your word will bless all my days. All through my life, they will last. They'll last for as long as this world will last and into the future ahead. So keep talking to me, dear Father God. Keep speaking to me while I'm here. And this child of yours will praise you each day as you change my heart and my mind. This program has been brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.